ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, Patreon exclusive time is here. That's right, we watched Mandy on Kill by Kill. Greetings and salutations, Internet. This is your old pal Patrick Hamilton coming to you exclusively to your uh, Patreon feed. Uh, what a wonderful thing to have. This is the Kill by Kill podcast, but it's just for you. Not everyone gets to listen to this fun time. Uh, and as always, there's only one person I trust to help me hunt down a cheddar goblin when I need it. The one and only Gina Radcliffe. How are you doing, Gina? I'm doing great. This is a uh, more and more casual low-key episode uh, i've got my my lounging pajamas on uh patrick <laughs> I, I understand you you've got you know, a smoking jacket just for these occasions yes uh, it's the finest of smoking jackets it's you, you, uh, billowing we, as we speak we've got, drinking the, uh, a... we've got the fondue dish out you know just <laughs> a little get together for our closest friends uh yeah i've got a glenn scotia 15-year scotch on the rocks going that's where i'm at that soft uh playboy jazz festival album what going on oh yeah <laughs> yeah baby <laughs> oh man that's the one thing i just uh, uh, the uh, the only sort of playboy jazz festival thing i ever did was actually in portland oregon and uh we laid out our blanket and and our chairs i'd say around 11 30 11 45 and we were there and we were enjoying ourselves and at some point around two o'clock we said well let's go to the food trucks and like get something to eat and when we came back someone had moved all of our stuff oh god and we're like why would you do that and this, this couple was like yeah your chairs were in our way your <laughs> chairs are taller than our chairs why would we be in your way? Why would you ever think it's okay to move someone else's stuff, especially when they were there before you? I, I uh, they did not have an answer for that, but Portland was not the dream of the 90s for me, unless your dream was uh, a couple moves your fucking stuff. I think we could spend a whole hour just ranting about festival concerts because because <laughs> they're they're hell. They're they're worse than the places that Nicolas Cage goes to 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 <laughs> avenge the, the the death of his girlfriend in in, in Mandy. Yes, uh, just a quick review of the plot, and it won't take us long. Uh, he plays Red, who's just your average everyday lumberjack, deep woods lumberjack, apparently. The kind of the kind of job you can only get to via helicopter, <laughs> is is what I gather. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is, I, it's unclear where this is supposed to take place. I assumed it was somewhere in the Pacific Northwest. Yes, I assumed as well. Either Northern California, uh, deep woods, deep redwoods of Oregon, perhaps uh, Washington State. But yeah, somewhere in that general vicinity is the vibe it's giving off. Anyways, Red is in a relationship. We don't really, they don't appear to be married. Neither of them is wearing a wedding ring, at least not that I noticed. But he's in a relationship with Mandy, um, who is a woman out of time. <laughs> yeah, she's uh, she's a little kind of ethereal, but in a kind of creepy sort of way. And I, I have to admit that that when I, I try to go into the movie knowing as little about the plot 
as as possible. I was just mm-hmm. all I knew about it was that he is avenging the death of his girlfriend, who is tied up with some sort of cult. And I was like, well, that, that turned out to be not exactly what happens, but but I kind of thought that she was going to end up being kind of sort of the villain in this because she's a little spooky she's you know she's got this big old scar down the side of her face that the the movie never really bothers explaining how she got mm-hmm. it so i i kind of got the impression oh she fled the cult and now they're coming back for her but no actually it's something a little more terrifying than that and and it's and it's something we went into a little bit with the episode we just did on halloween is that it's completely random. She's just yeah. she's just walking down the road and and this creepy Jamie Jamie Gum esque cult leader <laughs> is in his in his is in his boogie van with his with his followers and he just sees her and he's like, I want her. <laughs> and then he yeah. just basically pretty much literally says, I want her, get her for me. And 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 no didn't you know, no connection. Never saw never saw her before in his life. She never saw him. It's completely random, and that makes it much scarier than if she had been you know a former member of the cult who had escaped. Yes, I mean she's obviously had a life. And before we go any further, Gina just that that's what it is. <laughs> Mandy's <sighs> is taken by this cult. Uh, she she's killed. Uh, and the rest of the movie is Red's journey of of revenge. And you would get that from the trailer. So if you don't want anything else spoiled for you, you know, you downloaded this, pause it, go watch Mandy. It's well worth your time, and then come back to us. Um, but in terms of, like, who Mandy is as a character, she obviously has a history, and you could subtitle this movie, We Don't Have a Backstory. <laughs> Because no, no, Man- it just- Mandy is, is, is everyone comes into this. Uh, everything you know about them is only what you pick up along the way. She's right. just a girl who happens to have very defined likes and wants. She likes soul swords and sandals fantasy, and she likes you know drawing, and she's very good at it. And she's obviously not super connected to the world so much and red's sort of the same. And so I guess their relationship is based on that sort of mutual. They're an Island unto themselves. Right. But, but the, what makes this movie work for me is, is at the end, you kind of get a a very brief glimpse of how they met. And it -hmm. it was at a party. (laughs) It was just like the most, you know, mundane, you know, know, back in the day, children before the (laughs) internet, you 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 had to you had to meet people in person and it was fucking terrible um but yeah so yeah we should also point out that this movie sort of kind of takes place in the 80s i think 1983 is the stamp they put on the first title so and that's the other thing I, i really liked about it um because panos cosmatos uh whose dad was a giant uh, director in the uh, early 80s through the 90s. Uh, films of note of him that he directed would be Tombstone would be a big one. Cobra would be another. And um, yes. of unknown origin, the giant rat in the walls movie. Oh, which... we, get into, we get into a couple of those in bonus episodes. Believe me. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
So he 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 had a style to him, but I think Panos puts him to shame. I mean, he is a real stylist. Oh and yeah. So, I mean, this movie's got this movie's got a a, a lot of Hellraiser. Um, yes. A lot of Suspiria in the in mm-hmm. the, the the very you know, nightmarish lighting. A uh, little touch of Silence of the Lambs, mostly in uh, in Jeremiah, the cult leader, who again I got a very big Jamie Gum vibe from him. Um, but yeah, though this is very very. I I know people who this is one of the ways. There's no in between with this movie. People either love it or they hate it. And, yes. and I suspect that that is going to be the same response that the remake of Suspiria is going to get. You are either 100% all in or you're like, yeah, no, I'm turning this off. This is doing nothing for me. And I think that's almost better. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's yeah, where yeah. you find the, the movies that you really dig into. I mean, I'm sure there are movies in all of our lists where the vast majority of people are like, yes, that is a classic. I wholeheartedly agree. But there's also something to be said for a something that you either hate or love is because it is aimed at a very specific target. And this is aimed specifically at people who would be into this shit. Oh, yeah. And it's <laughs> but it's, you know, for all the the homages, it is 100 percent a absolutely unique vision. It's no. I mean, the the, the, yeah. the pretty much the, the movie stops in the middle for an extended commercial for a brand of macaroni and cheese called Cheddar Goblin, <laughs> which is, it's the most, it's it's the most, I mean, in a movie that has Cenobite, a Cenobite biker gang, one of them I'm 99% certain has a sword for a dick. This is still the weirdest scene in the whole movie. The, the, the or a giant goblin. thorn. I'm not. <laughs> yeah, there's some sort of barbed weapon where his crotch is. Um, so I, I don't know if that's, you know, if he was born that way or if it's part of his, (laughs) you know, his bondage gear that he's wearing, but be that as it may, this commercial that, that, that red is either really watching or hallucinating at some point is, is the, both the weirdest and the funniest scene in the, in the whole movie. It is, I've, I don't know that it's confirmed. It supposedly was directed by the person who directed too many cooks. Yeah, I read a blow by blow. Yeah, so it is. So it actually is. Okay, it actually is. And they approached him through people that they mutually knew. And at one point, he was just, "Can you make a puppet?" And then it's like, "Could you do this? And could you do that? And how much could you, you know, could you do it for nothing?" <laughs> or then, then I think they found some money, but it was it was basically. This is going to be on in the background, and I want it to be so surreal that people won't know whether or not it's real. And it does that in space. Oh, yeah. It's, it's you know, and again, to compare it to another weird scene, the, the scene with the tiger. Again, mm-hmm. n- n- none of these scenes have any sort of real bearing on, on what could be just a standard revenge plot. But it's just so, you know, both of them are just so, you know, what the fuck am I watching moments? And, and, but they're just like, okay, I am really, I am, this is, you know, as the kids say, this is extremely my shit. <laughs> you know? and, that's, and that's what I was thinking the, the, the whole time I was watching. This is extremely my shit. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I agree with you. It is, and I responded to, to it in a way that was much more into my shit than I did Beyond the Black Rainbow, his previous film, which 
I liked, and it was an interesting pastiche, and I liked what it was going for, but it didn't hook me the way this did. And I won't say it's necessarily Nicholas Cage that did it for me. He doesn't hurt. Um, but I, it, it just, I think it's a better constructed narrative as far as lulling you into a place because that was so THX 1138 with Suspiria on top of it. This one pulls back on the Suspiria from a plot standpoint and pushes just the aesthetic of it, but it's really a very simple linear story within it, and it's the performances and particularly Mandy, that scene in which uh, Linus Roach, um, who plays Jeremiah, the scene where he has drugged uh, Mandy and is attempting to get into her head to make her part of the cult. And if you don't like this movie after that sequence, you might as well turn it off because that is singular. I mean, oh, it, yeah. it, it is it probably is. one of the most dazzling things. And it's so simple, but it is so evocative and rich and deep. And, and there's meaning and text and subtext of her weaving in and out of him in both a... And this is being projected from him. His goal is to take her and scoop out her insides and put himself into it like he has the you know, the bank of sycophants that are around him and it doesn't work. And oh my God, it is so fucking fat. I just love that moment. Oh yeah. There was a, there was an excellent, excellent, I, I want to say it was in Vulture, um, write up about how it is, it is the best ban all men movie of 2018 mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. he is heavily coming on to her and, and he's just using a line about how, everything's so beautiful and I just want you to be a part of me and just, just, you know, trying to be, you know, smooth and seductive and soft-spoken and, and, you know, and you know, trying to, you know, you know, be unintimidating and trying to be nice to her. And, you know, and of course, you know, he, and I, all props to, to Linus Roche for, for doing a very long full frontal nude scene. <laughs> Cause, yes, because it was he was standing there for a while. Yes, and, and and this is and this is a movie where there's no female nudity, and and I I sent a prayer up to God saying thank you Jesus there were no rape scenes because yes because I was very nervous very much about could have that. gone in that direction. It, it was and, everything was way, pointing towards there's going to be a rape scene. In a way, I feel like it is without. <laughs> they found a way to do it. In a way that is not um, overtly sexual. He is violating her psychologically. He is violating her emotionally. This is happening against her will. She is drugged against her will to the point where she can barely stand. And here comes this guy. And the whole point of drugging her to this point is to completely obliterate her sense of self so that he has power over her. So all of the the subtext of what would in a in a lesser film be that sort of rape scene um is there without having to go into graphic sexuality beyond his full frontal nude scene which he just presents himself 
you know, <laughs> not erect, probably stoned past the point of actually being erect. And and she openly she, she, laughs she in she his laughs face. And he cries, which is the, the, <laughs> the, the, the most um, astonishing part about that. He's just devastated that she's rejecting him like this. And I, I mean, know. it's just, it's just, it's, it's fascinating that they, that they go to that point of showing that sort of very childish, you, you hurt and rage at, you know, how dare this woman you know, reject my manliness, you know, re- you reject my line of, you know, being, you know, you know, the new person in her life that she never knew she needed before. Yeah. The, the, the film that I kept thinking about when I watched it again, a couple nights ago was Revenge um, by Corlene Fergant. I haven't seen um, it yet. It's an exclusive to Shudder, although it had a, a brief theatrical run, and I think it's on VOD as well. But as far as like a streaming thing, it's exclusive to Shudder. And it's it's got like a... It's a revenge film with a French extremity vibe to it set in the California desert, and it doesn't make a whole lot of sense, but it's... It's practically supernatural how she's still alive, but there is a scene in which she's violated by uh, one of the group of this men whom she doesn't know is going to be in the same house as her and her married boyfriend, but they show up early. And I was like, oh, even though it's, it's directed by a woman, you know, but she definitely, like, there's a lot of exploitative elements to it and here it felt like this is an, a completely exploitation plot that doesn't exploit mandy Mm-mm. and that's what i found somewhat revolutionary about it oh yeah it, it went out of its way to embarrass and humiliate the, you know, the villain over and over again <laughs> mm-hmm. i mean you know how how undignified is your your last minutes on earth it, uh, you know, if you're if you're begging the person there to kill you, I'll suck your dick if you don't do it. <laughs> 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 I mean, oh my you God. know, that's just you know that that's how much more you know, humiliated could he possibly get at that point? <laughs> I mean, he's never cool. No, it's a real choice, and they give him an air of at some point someone must have thought he was cool. But they never portray him as cool at any point. He's the leader of a cult who abide by every word he says. He has these three Cenobite bikers who apparently are taking orders from him so long as he, he provides well, they're, them they're, with they're, they're, acid. It's, it's, well, it's an exchange. They, they, he'll, he'll, he'll sacrifice one of his uh, cult members to them. So I think it's a fairly, you know... Uh, it's a business a relationship. symbiotic relationship you know they they okay. he needs them much as, as much as they need him but i mean did you get a load of the people in his cult though <laughs> <laughs> you know he's he's not he's not scooping up the best and brightest in the pacific northwest <laughs> his cult has the best people from what i that's what i hear back <laughs> that's what I, I hear he's just got the best and the brightest uh, in turn, in Trump-like terms, of cult members. I mean, he's got the best mouth breathers. He's, he's got the best, like you know, you know, off-brand Richard Jenkins. You know, like. 
Oh, and that poor woman who's his microchemist. She's not the big chemist, but apparently she knows how to do some of the things that the main chemist knows how to do, including owning a giant bug in a in a jar of goop. Yeah, that... it's some sort of like you know, acid-soaked wasp and and this is listen, there's this is a very singular vision. You you yes. will you will never see another movie quite like this. No. And, uh, you know, as amazing as he is as a director, I also don't think he wants to then use this as a launching pad to, you know, direct a Marvel movie. There's nothing wrong with directing a Marvel movie, but I'd get the impression he just wants to be able to do the next weird-ass thing that he's able to do. And I hope this does well enough for him to do it, because this really shows that... He has an idea and a vision, and given a cast who are game, oh my god, he! this is something people should be seeing, and some of them won't like it. No. <laughs> no. I mean, I, again, you're you're either gonna you're either gonna love it or you're gonna hate it. And if you're gonna hate it, it's because it's just not something that you're into. And and mm-hmm. and I mean, I I hate to sound like. One of those people that's like, you know, oh, I only like the really weird shit. But you really have to like weird shit to 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 <laughs> enjoy this movie because it's there's nothing that happens makes sense. Mm-hmm. At, at, at some point, Nicolas Cage develops some sort of vaguely superhuman strength in which he he gets his hand nailed to a floor at one point and just you know, blip just pulls it right out no no you know no big you know he's yes. fine <laughs> he's either beyond well once he this is like the if i'm gonna follow the logic of the movie here's my idea of it he barely survives being barbed wired you know hung to a tree to witness mandy being burned alive in a sleeping bag uh, which is only one of the friday the 13th connections to this movie the other being that at one point he was told, Cage was told uh, by Panos that I kind of thought of Red at a certain point in the movie being like uh, Jason Voorhees from Part Seven. <laughs> I can see, I can see that. I can see that he's just he's powered on pure vengeance at that point. Yes, just, he's you know, animated he, by something beyond just his own will. And I right. think that has everything to do with the the main chemist, the guy who lives in the radio tower that he teleports to. I, I'm still not sure on that point, but somehow that guy might also juice him with a supernatural acid that allows him to have the strength to crush a man's skull. I, <laughs> I don't know. That's so great. <laughs> and again, here's the thing, like, it, it, I don't feel like this is outrageous, Nicolas Cage. No, I this mean he's, isn't... he's you know he's his mind is bent because you know the love of his life was murdered in front of him. I mean I don't yes you know that's not a role you underplay and and and, and I realize that you know particularly people our age we uh, we were kind of you know raised on a diet of like Charles Bronson and and Clint Eastwood where they were they were you know exacting revenge. But they were very low key about it. They were they were, they seemed more kind of annoyed than than in than in, in mourning. It's like they were exacting revenge for someone snapping off their car antenna, 
and not <laughs> and not murdering and you know their wife and raping their daughter or whatever. Yeah. You know, I mean, but but you know, your people, normal human beings, kind of lose their fucking minds when something happens to someone they care about. You know, yes. but, you know let alone if you're right there. You know, and when it happens, and you're powerless to stop it. I mean, that's not even something most people can comprehend. And and so, yeah, I mean, he is a little wild-eyed. He he does have this, you know, astonishing, you know, breakdown scene in his underpants. You know, <laughs> I mean, which you're kind of alternately kind of laughing a little bit because he's in his underpants. And they're like little tidy whitey, so he looks like a child because all men wearing little white underpants look like children. But mm-hmm. he's also, you know, he's hysterical and he's grieving and there's something, you know, very oddly moving about it. Just like there's something... You know, oddly moving about him racing away at the end in his car like he's in a Quentin Tarantino movie, you know, and you know, covered in, you know, he looks like he there was an explosion at the, you know, ragu spaghetti sauce factory. Yeah. And but he's thinking about Mandy and he's and he's mm. thinking about when they first met. And, and it was actually very moving because they met in such a mundane way. You know, wearing their matching heavy metal baseball shirts that were a thing in the eighties, <laughs> and you know they just kind of you know this shy little smile at each other, you know, and then and then it comes, it ends like this, and it's just yeah. so you know shocking and jarring. Uh, it's it's a very intimate story in in many respects with these just amazing fantastical elements to it that arrive. <laughs> In a way which everyone here knows exactly the game they're playing. So the idea that there are these three bikers who've taken acid that was so insane, it they made them Hellraisers. <laughs> they are literally, they are Cenobites. They, yes. they, I, I was watching this, I'm like, fucking Cenobites. <laughs> They're Cenobites, one of whom drives an ATV around. And that's, I think, the part of it that I liked the most is the idea of these Cenobites who, you know, don't raise in a column of white smoke, but just, like, drive around and have to get gas from somewhere. Yeah, and then, and, 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 you know, one of them was watching some fairly mundane pornography. You know? Yes, I mean, it's it's like... just abysmally boring that never really changes. It's like, I, was like, I expected I expected way crazier shit from a Cenobite than this. <laughs> and and that's the thing. I think there's a banality to the evil on display here. Well, they all, but... Everybody lives in like these dumpy little houses and, and mm-hmm. you know, they, they all kind of look like you know, they're already crime scenes. You know? <laughs> so, you know, even even the you know the, the biker Cenobites just live in this, you know, you know, dumpy little, almost like a crack house, and and you know that's, they I, I assume that they have nothing better other than you know, you know when they're just waiting to be hear, to hear from Jeremiah, they have nothing better to do than watch pornography and you know take this super acid. Which <laughs> uh, you yeah. know, I mean, if you you know, if that's you know that's a, a life to aspire to, I suppose. <laughs> it's a great job if you can get it when you think about it. Yeah. Um yeah, the 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 scene in which they're originally called and there's so much build up to it of you're going to call this group and at that point I I didn't know anything 
about what was about to happen. And then they, they blow on this modified conch shell, basically. And they arrive on their motorcycles and one ATV. And the guy who calls them is literally crying from how scared he is to be even close to them. And everyone is selling it. Everyone just buys in to the way to taking this seriously. And I think I appreciated that even as silly as it gets at points, the only reason you're allowed to laugh and recover from it is the, is the idea that everyone else is taking this very seriously. Yeah. And it's us, you know, I, I, I like and appreciate that, that kind of commitment. Like, you know, this is you know, I'm sure that almost every single one of those actors is thinking this is the craziest thing I've ever been in in my life. <laughs> this, you know, maybe not Nicolas Cage, although this is up there for yeah. among the craziest things I've ever seen him in. But they all—they're yes. just—they're—they're they're very you. Know, everybody's playing. Yeah, you're right. They're playing it completely straight. I think there are films where he has been crazier, but I'm not sure there's been a film that has been as mind-bendingly crazy as this. I think he has been in gonzo movies where he's gone over the edge and big overblown Hollywood efforts a la Con Air that are just there that are basically comic books beyond comic books. And here this is like he's just slipped into this painting that was originally on the side of a van. Maybe the maybe the van that Jeremiah and his his Coulter driving around in. <laughs> He's not cool enough to have this mural on it. That's how uncool he is. At one point, we see his album cover. <laughs> yeah, he's like a he's a hippie. He's like a he's like yes. a, a murderous hippie. He's a hippie burnout. And uh, you know, and it's no wonder that I mean it's you know, when you think back to to. You know the the early '80s. This this probably wasn't flying with a lot of people. At, at by that point, we hadn't quite no. the, the 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 whole you know you know '60s revival thing wasn't until later in the '80s. In early '80s, it was kind of a little embarrassing. So, oh, so it, you, you certainly you certainly didn't have people who were embracing it. No, and like if you had it as a lifestyle, this was something you they, they he had been doing for a while. Right. Well, his, his, he did have a little bit of a backstory. He was a failed he was a failed musician. So you know, in I, the vein I, of the carpenters. Yeah, I, I don't think that that you know, I, I guess that that just kind of broke his brain. And it's like, well, I guess I'll become a cult leader. You know, <laughs> <And> he, <laughs> with the you know with the the sleaziest kind of you know harmony Korean looking movie characters cult members I could possibly find. The legion of, of mouth breathers on display. Oh my god! I don't know just... where they got some of these actors from. They were just, <laughs> it's just like I was like, I'm uncomfortable just looking at these people. <laughs> yes, um, no one, nothing has felt less movie starish than anything that appears on screen. In this movie. Yeah, I mean, if 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 you know, if, if Jeremiah handpicked the men in this group. You know, to ensure that he'd be the one that always gets lucky with the ladies. You know, good job, sir. Well done. <laughs> Mission accomplished. Yeah. 
Um, oh boy, they are really a crew. Um, I I think I knew that I was going to love this movie right away when the title card came up that the opening song was by King Crimson. Oh, this soundtrack is just it's so good. Yeah, it's so. Unfortunately, good. it was the it was the final soundtrack of the composer. Johan Johansson. Oh, right, right, uh, right. Yeah, that's a shame. Which is a real fucking shame because I would have loved to hear what this guy could have come up with for the rest of my life. I, I feel fucking robbed by this guy not being around to, to do more of these films because he was gifted based on, on this and this alone. I, I, I'm not sure that I know the other films of that he worked on, but I'm going to track them down. Yeah, I mean that this is it's very much the the the, the soundtrack is uh is pretty much a, a a supporting character in and of itself. It just it really just kind of kind of makes the whole movie. Yeah, it, it's so hypnotic. Um I watched it I tried to watch it again the other night for the third time. Unfortunately, I was a little out of it. So I kept phasing in and out of sleep. While well, it was still uh, playing, that should have been that was probably kind of interesting. <laughs> no, it was. It really was, <laughs> because I was still in it, but not consciously watching it a lot of the time. But uh, it it was the perfect movie to do that with, because <laughs> I instantly knew where I was in the film when I would wake back up, <laughs> and I would be able to watch for five minutes and go back. And it was like a waking dream. I, I think this and Chilling Adventures of Sabrina have been the only thing to penetrate my subconscious to the point where I dream about them in a really long time. Like, I've never had a Friday the 13th dream, but I, I've had Mandy dreams and I've had Chilling Adventures of Sabrina dreams. So, Just to, just to take it back a little bit, uh, uh, Johan Johansson? Uh, mm-hmm. Also did the music for Arrival, and, oh, uh, and uh, Blade Runner twenty forty nine. So uh, he, oh my god, yeah, he's done some great work, and it is a damn shame that that, that we will not hear anything because all of those soundtracks were uh, were slapping, as the kids say. Yeah, the I mean that Blade Runner one was amazing and now that i think about it arrival has a lot of the same tones to it but wow i I, what a damn shame just ugh, that makes me angry that i can't hear more of his stuff yeah to think what he could have done if if they he had done dune oh my god (laughs) with villeneuve oh my god now i'm mad at everyone Now, now i'm depressed <laughs> so let's talk about the chainsaw fight. <laughs> let's. Now, in terms of chainsaw fights, there aren't a ton on record. Certainly, the one I always go back to uh, is uh, Texas Chainsaw Two. Now, uh, see, I, I think I always think of Motel Hell. Oh, uh, of course you do. <laughs> of course I do. <laughs> <laughs> Um, well, the one, you know, the one in, in Motel Hill and Texas Chainsaw 2 have a commonality in that there's one person who's supposed to be the hero who's terrible at it. 
and somehow does somehow manages to not cut off their own leg or, or <laughs> slash their own throat wide open or something. Yes. Um, and in this one, we you know, Red is established that he is a professional chainsawman. And so, but yeah, the only problem is he he is is up against someone who has the world's longest chainsaw. <laughs> now I don't I don't know much about woodworking or lumberjacking or anything like that, mm-hmm. but this seems to be an unnaturally long chainsaw. <laughs> yes, um, perhaps it is something one works with if you were cutting down a, a redwood sized tree. Which I don't think you're allowed to do any anymore. Maybe you were in 1983, but it is extraordinarily lengthy. Um, it's very intimidating, and it also means that he's got, in boxing terminology, he's got a reach problem because his opponent can reach him a lot easier than he can reach the opponent. Also, his chainsaw doesn't start for a good third of the fight. <laughs> Well, I mean, you know, see, you know, how much you know fuel must have to go through that thing before it turns on. <laughs> Very true. Um, but I think it, it it might be my favorite. I think it ranks above Texas Chainsaw for me. Oh, totally. Yeah, totally. Because again, you are you are. It's it's much more entertaining when you when the hero you know knows what he's doing. Because again, yes. it, you know, you're you're watching it saying, okay, you know, in real life, this person would just you. Know, just trip and fall and you know just be immediately dead because <laughs> i i again i've never picked up a chainsaw but i imagine those re- it requires a, a lot of upper body strength a lot of you know knowing how to to you know control it from again you know slicing into your femoral artery i, I don't think it's just something you could pick up and just run at with somebody that you've never used one before yes i, I might spend a little too much time thinking about this kind of thing but <laughs> You wouldn't have, you wouldn't have picked me to, to co-host this podcast if I didn't. So <laughs> that's very very true. That's a prerequisite uh, that I you know I scoured the internet looking for people who had thought far far too wide about how to chainsaw someone to death if they got into a chainsaw fight. Um, yeah, I, I I really enjoyed that entire centipede sequence, and then the whole acid teleportation thing which is i've watched now watch this movie two and a half times and i'm does the acid tell him where to go it 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 seems to give him some sort of like vision that like he he somehow now knows where to find jeremiah so i guess it kind of in using hippie terms opened up his third eye or something like that i mean i mean it doesn't get anything that overtly corny but it's definitely has done something to him like the the like the 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 guy who makes all the acid he has a pet tiger and and you know that somehow the tiger knows if uh if you know you're a good person or not or, or if you're someone who could be trusted and 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 nicholas cage you know, passes the tiger test maybe we all pass the tiger <laughs> test i think i would do you think you'd pass a tiger test i think i'd get eaten the fuck up by that tiger <laughs> You don't, think, my luck. you don't think you'd be the tiger would sense you to be a good person who is trustworthy? Um, I'd like to think yes, but I also think that would make me untrustworthy by assuming that it would be yes. <laughs> Just the sweat beads and all, it's gonna like 
It's gonna gonna register you as being nervous. It's like he's well, ner- he's everyone ne- should be nervous around a loose tiger. He's, Let's put it that. He's out nervous. That way. He must be dishonest. No, I'm nervous because you're a tiger. <laughs> <laughs> I just don't assume. I just don't make assumptions. I I hope for the best and I plan for the worst. Um, but he he seems he seems to be embedded inside of some sort of radio tower, which connects him to everyone who is. Doing his drugs, maybe. <laughs> I, you know, honestly, God, I, I think it's one of those things where you honestly can't ponder it too much. It's just you know, <laughs> here's another, here's another weirdo he encounters, you know, who makes this super acid that that suddenly makes you psychic and connects you with other people who are use who are also using the super acid. Which, when you look at these people, do you really want that? No, no, I don't want to be connected to any of these people no. on a meaningful level. I really, really don't. Yeah, I don't want to know um, what they're doing. I, I don't want to know where they are. I, I don't want to know, you know, about their weird shelter that kind of looks like a hot pink International House of Pancakes from the 70s. That sort of ski lodge kind of <laughs> kind of A-frame uh-huh. house that, that they're kind of hanging out in. I have so many questions about Jeremiah's HQ <laughs> because they're out roaming around. Are they like trolling for people? Is is that their MO? Well, I, I mean, Wouldn't you assume... spend more time inside your enclave where you're connected to God or the devil? Let's assume that they they regularly make a habit of sacrificing cult members to the biker Cenobites. So uh-huh. clearly you have to, you know, continue driving around finding new people. So I guess that's mm. that's their excuse for just you know leaving leaving the chalet and 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 driving around. I mean, you you can't you, you have to you, you have to keep a uh you have to keep a stock of warm bodies to sacrifice to your biker Cenobites in order to get your super acid. I swear to God, people, this movie's fucking great. I don't think we're, <laughs> I don't think we're selling it very well. But I don't know how to sell but it. But well. it's marvelous, and I don't. I don't think that anybody's going to listen to this that hasn't seen it yet. But but yeah, I wouldn't want them to. Yeah, quite it's, frankly, it's, I mean, it's really it's. It, Every time somebody's asked me, I'd say, yeah, that it's really something. And I, don't, and I don't mean it to sound negative. It's not. It absolutely isn't. It's like I don't can't really describe to you what happens in this movie other than it's, you know, it's a horror movie about revenge. But there's, yeah, so, there's it, like so, I mean, that's the basic premise. It's Conan the Barbarian in yeah. a lot of ways. Yeah, 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 yeah. And only the the fact that almost no one in it is cool, except for Mandy. Right. No, yeah. Everyone else is kind of a dork. And, and she's she's cool in a way that 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 she she's not trying to be. She's yeah, just she's no. just kind of this like weirdo artsy chick with a big old scar on her face that we never we never find out how she got that. But um. Yeah, you know, I mean, there's you know everything you need to know about this movie is is a there's a chainsaw fight. <laughs> B there's a scene in which he he casts his own battle axe, and and yes, it, it is amazing. It's just he he he. 
he casts this thing that looks like you would use in a D&D game. It's just this <laughs> elaborate, scrolled iron battle axe that he ultimately, he only really uses it like once or twice, disappointingly. You know, he throws it at someone at one point and then yeah. has remarkable aim. But but he does. you know he you know other people he he you know he gets into a chainsaw fight with someone, uh, someone else he he cuts off her head. Uh, oh, did he? The the guy the uh, the the off brand Richard Jenkins he like did he he slammed the base of the axe into his face or something didn't he? That was a that was a grody one. I remember that. Yeah, he bury he he buries like in his chin or something. A very like sharp that. object yeah, into that was, his head. And then he and then he kills Jeremiah with his bare hands. So that that axe does not get a lot of play, you know, considering how much time is spent with him making it. Yeah, 2018 is a year for a great many things. Not a lot of them are great. But I'll tell you this. When it comes to forging ancient weapons of mass destruction, 2018 has got every other year on lock. <laughs> Because between this and Stormbreaker, it's been fucking <laughs> awesome for great big axes forged in extended sequences. This thing looks like something you would get, like you know, you you know, medieval warrior costume from like a Halloween adventure store. It's just, oh yeah, it's just so elaborate, and 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 you know, he just he just puts a lot of you know, loving time and work into it. And it's just, you're just going to go and kill a bunch of people with this thing. It's, I mean, you know, if you were to sell it at like the local, you know, Renaissance fair, you'd, you would, you would make a fortune. True. Uh, you would also get a big bidding war between the regular uh, Renaissance, Ren fair nerds and the Klingons, <laughs> because I think it would be very interested in this. Yeah, he's a little Klingon-y looking, isn't it? <laughs> it does. It's got a little Star Trek nerd going on. Yeah, I I really adore this film. I, I think it's singular in its nature. It's not like everything else. It's not it has things where it's obviously made reference, but it does not live and die by those references. It is not trying to be Suspiria. It is not trying to be Conan the Barbarian. <laughs> No, it's just he, and you know, Bill it's, Duke it's, is in it for crying out loud. Yeah, it, it but he just you know it, it's you know it's not like you know oh I've seen some movies. It's just you hear you know here are some callbacks that you know and, and I don't know that anybody that everybody would see you know Silence of the Lambs in it. You know I just you know I kind of base it on well, he kind of looks like him and and mm -hmm. and you know and I think that that's I it is my belief that that was intentional. And definitely, I mean, the, the whole Cenobite thing, I mean, that's clearly, you know, that, that's clearly an homage. But there's just certain, certain aspects of it. Like, they just, you know, they take acid and watch boring, you know, mundane pornography. <laughs> you know? I mean, it's like, well, that's disappointing. <laughs> they never clean their kitchen. I mean, that's what it comes down to. No. They, they, uh, they're they horrible in, roommates. They live in squalor. <laughs> It would be great if there was one guy who lived with them. <laughs> Greg. He's always like, Did you say Greg? Yeah. <laughs> Greg, just, Greg the biker centipede. <laughs> <laughs> well, the other three of the centipedes, he's just the guy who like put the safety deposit down on the house. Oh, so he's sort of like he's, uh, he's like Stu from um, What We Do in the Shadows, like the normal guy that hangs out. Yeah, <laughs> he's the one normal guy. <laughs> He's like, 
I told you guys, we don't... The dishwasher's broken. You have to wash your own dishes. Don't watch you, porn in the living room. God! <laughs> I have to walk through here. It is very embarrassing. I cannot bring a date home. <laughs> and then you just garble and chatter at him. Like, All not, right. No, no, I don't want any of the super acid. <laughs> <laughs> I told you guys. I'm straight edge. <laughs> Poor Greg. Hey, you know, Greg probably made it out of the movie alive, unlike everybody else. That's, that's <laughs> right. You know what? Well, he, A, he's celebrating a little bit, but the other thing is he has to find three new roommates. And he has to clean up that mess. Yeah. He's got one room that's just a hallway with apparently a death pit in it. That's a hard <laughs> sell. Well, you know, there's always extra storage space is always good. Extra storage space. Are there stairs that go down? No, it's pretty much a one-way trip. They're probably going to want to get rid of that couch that that, that sore dick would sit on and watch his porn, though. Yeah, because is like he's nude? (laughs) No, he had like the, 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 you know, the bondage suit on, but just this big old steel blade just wears, Uh, you know? Yeah, I don't. And, is, and again, is that like him or is that like part of the suit or, or I mean, it just, you know, I, I had to look twice. Like, I did the whole like almost like rolling my eyes like, that, that's a sword. <laughs> 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 All right. I, I guess we're doing this. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. It, like, it just, are we doing this? And the answer invariably is yes. Oh, yes. We're yes, doing we this. <laughs> yeah. We're very, very much doing are, this. Are we, are we crushing a man's head with our bare hands after he, he offered fellatio in, in exchange for his life? Yeah, we're doing that. <laughs> Uh, so I, 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 at this point, I guess Cage is the only person that I'm aware of to both star in a film where he drinks a beer out of someone's skull and also takes a piss on someone's skull. <laughs> Those are separate movies. <laughs> There's an entirely other movie in which he pees fire as a guy with just a skull on his head. The man is very skull forward. Well, yeah, skulls are cool. Yeah. And so is he. Although, this is the one element that I felt was a little out of place. And Panos tried to play this off on Shockwaves recently, where he goes, you know, Nick Cage is one of those guys, you look at him and you think, is that guy 50? Is that guy 28? No. You look at him and you say he's 50. Yeah, no, he's he's showing his age. He is, and that's okay. He should be allowed to be 50. And I don't know who you would cast who is age-appropriate to be Mandy, but it is a little weird. The He is basically twice her age in this movie. Uh, I mean, I think the actress is in her 30s, so it's, it's, yeah. not, it's not that extreme of a difference. I, I didn't really... I don't think that really bothered me that much because she just came off as so ethereal and 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 kind of otherworldly that she could have been anywhere between like 18 and 40 you know i mean <laughs> you know she looked she looked really you know pretty in some scenes and she looked really beat down in others you know that yeah. it was just you know it was, again you know in telling us nothing about this character it made it more interesting and also made it more suspenseful. There was, you know, up to a certain point, I still thought, you know, oh, you're going to find out that she was in this cult once or she, she's in on it the whole time. And I was like, I hope that's not how it goes because that yes. would be really corny. And it didn't, thankfully. So, I mean, at the end, was I saying, 
please, by killing all these people, she's magically alive. Please, by killing all these people, she's magically alive. She's not. She's not. He's, but, he's just he's just thinking back, and he's still probably tripping. You know, the biggest balls, balls you've ever seen in your life. So yeah. you know, and, and again, that's what to, to makes to me the part where he's just reflecting on how they met. Just again, just you know, weirdly moving because again, there was just this you know boring. You know, they met at a party. Okay, you know, and and there wasn't anything weird about that scene. It wasn't like you know the tiger from earlier. He just goes running through the party or anything like that. It's just really simple normally lit flashback to to how they met and then he's weirdly though that is the same party where greg met the cenobite bikers (laughs) he just heard they needed a place to stay and he's like i need roommates and like we're we're we've connected through acid with hell and we're slowly becoming demon spawn but we just uh got out of a lease you know, we, can we, we look can, at the space? We can give you that. And we can give you that two months. We can give you that that, that two months plus security. So we're making all sorts of bank by selling crazy acid and killing people for cults. It's a growth industry. Yeah, well, as long as you guys keep that to yourselves, I, I'm fine with it. And you know, <laughs> as long as you don't watch porn in the living room. <laughs> 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 Okay, because like, uh, you know, it's I have a TV, but I don't have a VCR. I do not have a Betamax. Oh, but we have Betamax. <laughs> what was that? Nothing. <laughs> Horn dick. Um, <laughs> it was a great party. You should have been there. <laughs> Who among us has been to a party? And, and made conversation with with you know someone dressed entirely in leather with 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 a horn with a steel horn dick. A head like the Black Knight from uh, Monty Python and the Holy you Grail. About this crazy porn he wants to show you, and like that, that kind of looks like it's regular porn. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, this this is just this is like this is like 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 spice porn. <laughs> <laughs> Just keeps going. Like, does anyone like get a, pizza delivered like or the same thirty pipe? second clip over and over again? Row, row, row. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it appears dismal. It's not a great advertisement for porn. If you were going into Mandy <laughs> to see great porn, no. you're coming to the wrong place. <laughs> On that note. <laughs> <laughs> what a, what better note is there to to finish on? Um, I you know as far as a recommendation goes, we both recommend the living hell out of oh, this. Oh yes, 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 yes. And 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 you you will have friends that you'll recommend this to, and they're going to hate it. And you're just going to yeah. have to learn to live with that, and 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 you you quietly take pity on them for their bad taste. <laughs> Don't don't say I anything. Think... Don't say anything like, "Well, you just didn't understand it," or, or uh-huh. you know, just 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 you know, maybe try watching it again. Don't don't say anything like that. Just you know, sign nod and say, "Yeah, I see that. That's okay." And just you. Know, I do think alone. people. I don't think the better way to recommend it is that they need to understand that the first half an hour, nothing happens in this no. movie. You are slowly introduced to two lonely yet connected people whose only you know true tether to earth is one another and then 
about halfway into that, you meet a total fucking loser <laughs> with a van full of other losers. And then around the halfway, around the half an hour mark, shit goes crazy for the next hour. Yeah, and doesn't and doesn't stop. There's there's at no point does it ever you other than you know his breakdown in the bathroom. It never yes. stops. It just keeps this insane level of I don't know what's going on. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna you know go with it. Yeah, take the ride. And uh, those title cards are. Amazing, mm-hmm. for sure. Uh, so that pretty much does it um, for us. Uh, thank you so much for being uh, a Patreon uh, of the level to get this episode. We really uh, appreciate you. Yes, yes, we do. Uh, our next one, we are looking at likely doing Apostle, the the, the Netflix exclusive with. Uh, with Dan Stevens, who, who also knows about movies in which you know, nothing but crazy shit happens. Um, <laughs> it's very, very true. Yeah, so that'll be in, that'll be up in in December. Yes. Uh, and so until next time, for myself and for Gina, bye bye everybody. Bye. Kill by Kills produced by We Write Good and is intended for entertainment purposes only. Friday the 13th is owned by Paramount Pictures. Jason is owned by New Line Cinema. No infringement is intended. Kill by Kill logo was designed by Josh Hollis. Visit him at joshhollis.com. The Kill by Kill theme was created exclusively for us by Revenge Body. Get the whole track and much, much more at revengebodymemphis.bandcamp.com today.